Hi folks, Curtis Shelburne here, and welcome to the Focus on Faith with Curtis Shelburne podcast. A good place just to be and breathe and hang out for a while as we share some words about life in Christ. And that's all of it, I think. Life, that is. The good, the bad, the fun, the sad, the deepest joys, the toughest sorrows. All of it. I think we're going to have a good time, and I hope you enjoy this. I hope you tell your friends about it, and I hope you come back. This episode, episode number 42, is entitled, God's Servant Comes, Asleep in a Manger. Well, that'll probably give you a clue. I'm recording this right before Christmas, and it is rapidly approaching. I know it's a really busy time for most of us. It surely has been for me. And I know that I need time just to stop and be still for a minute and reflect upon what C.S. Lewis has called the grand miracle, that God would choose to come in the flesh. Well, we know why. Because he loved us so much. He came in a way that we would never expect, that we could never have in any way orchestrated, that we could never have planned. He came in a way that would never have entered into our imaginations had God not done it. And the fact that he did it is amazing. It's good any time to stop and to think about what the Lord has done by coming into this world. The great hope that he gives us in all times, good times and tough times, joyful times and bitterly sorrowful times, always his hope is here for us. I hope this is a great Christmas season for you. I hope you're having a wonderful one and that it only gets better as the days march on. If it's a particularly difficult time for you, I pray that you'll realize anew how much his coming into this world gives you hope and how God's coming shows us that he can redeem any situation, that he has the power to do it, and that he has the love to want to do it. And so God's servant comes asleep in a manger. Let me give you just a little bit of a gift this Christmas as I encourage you to stop for just a second and spend a few moments thinking about that and I will too. Let's center on what God has done. No ad this time. This is just my gift to you. Let's focus on faith as we focus on God's coming. This episode will be short. It's going to be just a little bit of a gift wrapped up in a very little bit of a bow, but I hope you enjoy it this Christmas time. Let's focus on faith. For 17 years now, during the second and third weeks of Advent, that word has to do with coming, a centuries-old traditional time of preparing our hearts before Christmas, I've led some brief morning devotions with readings and prayers for a little group gathering briefly to bow in our little church sanctuary. It's not a large thing, and certainly not a large crowd, but that's one of Advent's main lessons. Little and quiet can accompany the most magnificent meaning, and meek and lowly are very often God's exact descriptions of the truly mighty and strong. If you haven't heard of Advent before, look it up. You'll learn some neat things about this really old tradition. It's one that a lot of Christians are rediscovering. I think it's a good thing. It helps us get ready 
for the coming before we just jump right into Christmas Day. Well, I said jump right into Christmas Day. You know, Christmas is a season, not just a day. The song, The Twelve Days of Christmas, came from somewhere. I'm not particular about geese laying and five golden rings, but Christmas, the season, is 12 days long. It starts on Christmas Day. That's the first day of Christmas. It's not over at the end of Christmas Day. It's just getting started. And so if our hearts are prepared, well, we're prepared for a season there in which we celebrate Christ's coming. I love that. Mom loved it too. I don't know if she'd ever heard the word Advent, and a lot of this stuff that I just talked about was nothing that their tradition ever did. But I'll tell you, Mom would keep the Christmas tree up into February, maybe toward March some years. She loved leaving that thing up and enjoying it a long time. I loved the fact that a lot of the time it was a real Christmas tree. But I have to tell you, by the time February rolled around, it was pretty much a bona fide incendiary device. It was time to let it go when we finally did. Well, Mom, again, might not have been a scholar about the Christmas season, but she loved Christmas. I love it too. And I like what we do at our little church and what, again, many, many Christians have done for centuries to help open the way for Christ into our hearts. It's God who prepares them, but we put ourselves in positions where he really can get to them a little more easily as we're still and silent and reflective a little bit. Our little devotions are just 10 or 12 minutes long. They're not very long. Again, it's certainly not a large crowd, but that's one of Advent's main lessons. Little and quiet can accompany the most magnificent meaning, and meek and lowly are very often God's exact descriptions of the truly mighty and strong. Last year was tough. It was a year of plague and pestilence, so to speak, and it was time to punt. It didn't seem like a good time to go on with many extra in-person activities, but it also seemed to me like a time when our hearts and souls probably needed some moments for quiet reflection even more than usual. Now, it remains to be seen what this Christmas season will bring. We've got a new variant out there. I don't know why they skipped the letters in the Greek alphabet to get to this one, but they did. Unfortunately, it's gotten into the world and it's spreading like wildfire. I hope it's not as bad. A lot of scientists think that it won't be. I hope that the vaccines and the booster and all of that stuff can really handle it. A lot of scientists and doctors think that it will pretty well. But a lot of folks are going to get sick, and I hope it's not too bad. I know we'll get through this. We'll just see what this Christmas is like. It's coming in just a few days. It may be another year where the plague, whatever you want to call it, occupies a little more of our time and thought than it should. It may be another year where it's really wise to be more careful than usual, etc. We'll see. But last year, obviously, it was a tough time and a time when we didn't need to add a lot of stuff. But I wanted to do the Advent devotions. And so what to do? Well, we learned a lot during that tough first year of COVID. We learned a lot about video. We learned a lot about Facebook Live. We learned a lot about YouTube. We learned a lot about live streaming. And I just decided to use Facebook Live, my personal page. Mornings, 10 o'clock, for around 10 minutes. I know pros and cons to that approach, but at least it happened. And it was a wonderful thing. This year, we were back in person. And that was a far more wonderful thing. 
But I also did the Facebook Live thing, and we had, oh, a number of viewers each time. And so a lot of folks got to join us, some of whom have been with us faithfully in the past, but have moved to other locations, some of whom just heard about it and thought, well, this might be something I could use. This might be something that would be a blessing. And they were able to watch. So, hey, even tough things can bring some good ideas with them. And I'm glad we were able to do that this year, but it sure was good to be back in person. I enjoy after the Advent devotionals visiting with the folks that are there, and then people trickle away, of course. We usually have a fire going in the fireplace, and we have some cookies and coffee and just really simple kinds of things there for the enjoyment of everybody there. When everybody leaves, it's not unusual for me to sit down in front of the Fellowship Hall fireplace, drink some of that post-devotional coffee that goes well with a post-devotional cookie, I always have a jillion things to do, particularly at that time of year, but finding the discipline myself just to sit still for just a few moments really needs to be number one at times, maybe particularly at this time of year. A good time to simply be for a moment so that when the time to do rushes in a few heartbeats later, the doing might possibly mean something. And so the fire crackles, the clock ticks, my eyelids often want to close and I want to let them. But the words of one of those morning Old Testament readings that we read during a particular Advent devotional seemed to be quietly echoing in my ears on one of those times as I was just sitting in front of that fireplace drinking coffee in the silence. There from Isaiah 42, 1 through 4, the first of the four servant song passages Bible scholars point to in the book of Isaiah, where the prophet focuses our attention on God's suffering servant who will come to save God's people. Christians have almost always identified the servant in those songs with Jesus Christ. This particular passage is quoted by Matthew in his gospel as he points to God's chosen servant, Jesus the Messiah. Of the much that is amazing in these verses, what most amazes me is the gentleness of this servant. The king of the universe has chosen him, loved him, infilled him with the power of the Spirit, and yet, yet he is described as being so very gentle that in his coming to bring salvation and justice, he won't shout or even raise his voice or a sparrow to land on a half-broken reed in the marshland, it would break. But the servant will not break it in his coming. The merest whisper of a breath, a single flap of a gnat's wing, would blow out the flickering candle. But the servant's coming will not. He is God's chosen one. No one is his equal, but he comes with no fanfare, no parades or processions no loud speeches, no pronouncements of power or lawless riots or tweets or desperate or vindictive or pitiful whining from the far left in Judea or the far right or sad Sadducees or equally sad Pharisees whose souls are joyless and whose faces are too paralyzed by pride and bitterness to move into the shapes necessary for real unselfish smiles and even healthy-hearted laughter. None of the poisonous fear and violence and strife spreading like a virus from those whose trust is in their power 
and whose souls are atrophied and twisted, God's servant is the most powerful ruler of all. He'll be there long after all of the rulers of our day have enjoyed their 15 minutes of fame, and whether they were good or bad, whether they loved the people they served, or whether they were cruel and just used people and served no one but themselves, they'll all be gone. God's servant is the most powerful ruler of all, and yet he comes most gently of all. He comes, oh, imagine this, he comes, eyes closed, quietly drawing baby breaths, asleep in a manger, gentle, completely, but strong, unimaginably. The world sleeps also. Lowing oxen barely take notice, but angels look on and bow, utterly astonished. God's servant has come. And so we proclaim our faith during this time of year, a faith that is ours in every time of year, always and forever, that God has come, that the incarnation happened, and that nothing will ever be the same. He came at Bethlehem. He is coming again, and he will come into our hearts every day. I pray, let him come. Invite him in. Let me share a little song with you that we recorded a few years ago, and I'll just play it for you. Maybe this would be a good time just to be still for a moment and close your eyes and think about the coming of that amazing servant. Oh, come, oh, come. Oh, come, oh, come.
desire of nations bind all in one the hearts of all mankind be thou our sad division cease and be thyself our king of peace Thank you for joining us on this Focus on Faith with Curtis Shelburne podcast. I'm so glad you chose to join us, and I hope you'll come back and spend some time with us again. If you like it, why don't you tell some friends about it? I sure would appreciate it. And Merry Christmas to you and yours.